we're going to come around God's Word. And um, as part of today, we're also coming around the Lord's table. So I'll let the ushers know when you can bring the emblems about, but not yet. It's going to be a while, Christina, so you can sit down for a bit. So, But uh, yeah, the passage I want to share from today is a little bit, it's not actually a Christmas passage, not that I know of, but I think it really is what Christmas is all about. And so we're going to have a look at this today, and I thought we'd do something a little bit different. So in full Baptist tradition, I'm going to get you to be upstanding. Please be upstanding. And we're going to read the scripture together. This bring back memories, Brian? Yes, there you go. So I'm going to come over here, and this passage is from Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 to 18. And I believe this passage is a big part of that in what God is trying to get across to us. Now, you think about the Christmas story. I, I'm always amazed at how God, when he's deciding to become human, chooses a really unusual path. Does anyone ever thought that? To, for, to me, I don't know about you, but to me, I think, why did God come as a baby? As just as a little baby. The reality is he could have stepped into our time as a, a man. God can do anything. He could have just come and sorted us out and, and become the saviour of the world without having to become a little baby. But God decided that the, the right path was to be a little baby. Can you, I just want you to think about that for a moment because we've got Troy and Talia here from Perth and they've got their fairly newborn baby. She's disappeared somewhere. But uh, Trinity, she's up the back. Oh, Juanita, Auntie Juanita's holding her. Like, little Trinity, like Jesus would have been, is totally dependent on others. Isn't that right? So you think about it. The God who created everything chooses to become fully dependent upon his creation. That just blows my mind. I don't know about you. That means he couldn't feed himself, couldn't clothe himself. And dare I say, he couldn't even go to the toilet on his own. Someone had to help him with that. Isn't that an incredible act of humility by God that he would do this? Why would God choose such a path? I think it's about revealing a bit of who he is to us. Uh, that nothing is above him when he, when he chose to come he, he, to help us and to save us. But if you, that's just one part of the Christmas story, God coming as a baby. But then the, the, you read the whole Christmas story and you go, this is a bizarre story. This is a really unusual path that Jesus would take. Number one, he's coming to send the saviour of the world. And where does he send him? To Israel. And at that time, Israel is this obscure little nation in the back blocks of the Middle East that has a very fragmented history, a crazy history, and, and really... The Israel at that time isn't even the full Israel because many of the tribes have been scattered elsewhere and they don't even know where they are and so it's just part of it. And, and God sends him to this, this nation and at that time this nation is under captivity to Rome. So they're being ruled by this tyrannical empire and so they can't, they're actually in bondage. So why would God choose that pathway to to bring the saviour of the world into the world, to become human. 
Uh, and if you read the story, the family that he comes into is, you know, there's all this, his, the, the parents or the, the two involved, Joseph and Mary, they're not even married yet. So Mary comes to Joseph and says, I'm pregnant to God. And he's like, freak me out. This is going to, what are people going to say? It's a very questionable birth. And they're like, yeah, I can imagine the neighbors going, yeah, she's pregnant to God. Yeah, good on you, Joseph. That's a good story. Haven't heard that one before. Like, so there's all these questions around his conception even. Like, probably grew up them going, oh, you know, that's that dodgy sort of child that Mary had. We don't know who the father is. She reckons it's God. But uh, so why would God choose this sort of path? It's just crazy. Then you think about the fact that when he's born, he's born, he's not even born in a normal sort of place. He's born in a stable surrounded by animals. And uh, it's just one thing after another. Now, there are some, you know, distinguished people in the story. Like you have the three wise men who come to recognize him as the king. And so obviously, finally, there's something normal or something that you would expect for a king. But at the same time, God doesn't just announce it to the distinguished. He also announces it to the undistinguished. Because he announces it to some shepherds, some Jewish shepherds in the, in the hills of Israel. And, uh, and if you know about shepherds in that day, you'd know that they were not considered very highly in their society. They weren't even allowed to give testimony in court because they were considered not very good people. And so all of a sudden God, yes, he has these three wise men, but he also has these shepherds that come to recognize Jesus as the king. So the whole story is very unusual to me. It's a strange pathway that God would take. If I was God, and please be grateful that I'm not, but if I was God, I'd be thinking Rome is the empire of the world, so I'd be sending my son to be the son of an emperor and that he would be born in Rome, the, the uh, capital of the world at the time, not in Bethlehem, that not even Israelite, Israelites cared about very much. But he's born in this obscure town. So I'd be going, that's where it should be. If the saviour of the world, the king of all is going to come, he should be coming there. But God didn't choose that pathway. He chose a pathway that was very different. And uh, I believe the answer for us is found in verse 17, why God would take this pathway, why God would choose this very different way or this very real way of coming into the world. And in verse 17, it says, if it clicks over, thanks, Juanita. It's coming. It says, therefore, it was necessary for him, for Jesus, to be made in every respect like us. It, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us. So in that moment, when God enters the world, you couldn't consider a more real and honest way to enter the human experience. And I believe in doing so, what God was doing is showing us and, and coming down to our level and showing us that he was meeting us at our point of need. He wasn't coming in as this 
highfalutin son of an empire, emperor or uh, son of a king or whatever. He was coming in in every respect like us, like you and me. He wasn't above us. He was amongst us. He was with us, God with us, with every one of us, no matter who we are. And so today I want to just give you three quick things of why in every respect shows us, what it shows us about God and what it shows us about ourselves, that, that if Jesus came in every respect like us, what does it show us? Well, number one, it shows us that humanity is not an obstacle for God. You think about humanity. Now, to me, when we think about the human race, there's some amazing things about humankind. We've done some incredible things. We've seen such incredible progress. We've seen so many great things happen. happen. You know, we, the things that we can do today compared to what they could do in Jesus' time when medicine and, and other things is just amazing. Things like computers and all this sort of stuff is just incredible. Humankind has done some amazing things. But at the same time, we all know that humankind has also been responsible for some terrible atrocities as well. Isn't that right? And this is the thing. When Jesus is becoming human, he identifies with our humanity and becomes in every respect like us. And in doing that, we discover that our best and our worst is not an obstacle for God. And the Christmas story is very upfront about this because what we see in the Christmas story and the reason it's so real and honest and so, so basic that Jesus would come to a poor couple in the back blocks of Israel is because it wants to relate to everybody no matter where they're at. And this is really important because the Christmas story shows us that God is all about people no matter what their humanity is like, whether they're poor or rich, whether they're under the bondage or captivity of another nation or, or whether they live in a place like Bethlehem. It doesn't matter to God because what God is about is that Jesus becoming human shows us that God sees us for who we are and accepts us for who we are and where we're at. Uh, and this is really important for us to understand because understanding that Jesus experienced and became human and experiences everything we experience really is important because the, the, I guess the problem or the, the thing that we could say is that God doesn't know what it's like to be human. But because of Jesus becoming in every respect like us, we can never say, to God, you don't know what it feels like. You don't know what it feels like to be me. And uh, this is what the Christmas story reminds us, because Jesus becoming human in every respect like us means that he knows exactly what it feels like to suffer. Jesus knows exactly what it feels like to be sad. He also knows exactly what it feels like to be happy and celebrate and exhilaration but at the same time if you read his life and you read the gospels you discover that he also knows what it feels like to be anxious you think about the time when he was going to the cross and he was praying in the garden he sweated blood 
drops of blood. He was so anxious about what was about to happen. So you think of yourself in your space, in your anxious space. God knows. He's experienced it just like you experienced it. Jesus also knows what it feels like to grieve, to feel the pain of grief. He talks about when, when Lazarus, his, his friend, died, he wept. He cried in sorrow. Jesus knows what it feels like to be abandoned. When all his, all his followers, all his disciples abandoned him, he knows what it feels like. And there may be people here today that you've been abandoned in your life. You could never say, God, you don't know what it feels like because he has experienced it in this body, in this humanity. He knows what it's like to be tempted. We all know what that feels like. He knows what it's like to be disappointed. He also knows, I'll throw this one in for you, Sam. He knows what it's like to go through puberty. The reality, little Sam, not Sam up the back. <laughs> he turned 13 last week. so. But this is the reality. The things that we experience, the things that we go through, he's been through it. He was a child. He was a teenager. He was a man. And he knows all those different stages of life that we go through. He knows what it's like. And it's really important for us to remember that in all these things, it says that Jesus never sinned. So I really want to stress to you that none of these things are sins. Jesus probably caught a cold. Jesus probably maybe ate some bad lamb and got a bit of gastro from time to time. He probably did, because being sick is not a sin. So he never sinned. He lived in a world that was affected by sin, so he experienced the effects of sin around him and even probably experienced it in himself, like if he ate something wrong or whatever it is. So, But the fact is he never sinned. And sometimes we think if we're feeling sad or anxious or, oh, God, I'm sorry for... I'm doing the wrong thing because we always have to be happy and feeling blessed all the time. No, these things that Jesus experienced and that we experience are what it means to be human. Did you hear that? It's human to be sad. It's human to grieve. It's human to be disappointed. It's also human to be happy and to celebrate and be glad. But this is the thing that we need to understand his humanity is no obstacle for God because he has experienced it in all its fullness. And guess what? He, he still pressed through. He still did what God had called him to do. He still overcame the enemy as we read before and he, he still did all that he needed to do. And this is the hope that we have, is that we have a God who was in every respect like us. And he overcame everything he needed to overcome. And this is the exciting thing is that as followers of Jesus today, it says that in 1 John 4.4, 4, it says that um, we, John writes to the Christians and he says, You little children have overcome because he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. And this is, humanity was never an obstacle to God. And because of that, we can understand that no matter in our life how bad things get or how good things get, God is always with us. 
The second thing we learn that in every respect, like us, shows us, is that poverty is not the problem either. We know the very fact that Jesus was born into poverty. And, uh, and the reality is, this reminds us that Jesus identifies with poverty, reminds us that we are all poor in many different ways. Some of us are physically poor like Jesus, but there's others of us who are emotionally poor. And there's the, the truth of the matter is that we are all, without God, we are all spiritually poor. And this is what Jesus did, is he shows us that poverty is not the issue. Because the amazing thing about Jesus is that he didn't just come to help the poor, the fact is he was the poor. He lived in a poor family. He lived in a poor part of Israel. One guy, when someone was telling them about Jesus, they said to him, um, he said, come and see this guy, come and see this guy. And they said, what are you talking about? This Jesus of Nazareth. And this guy says, what good thing could come out of Nazareth? And basically the reputation would be like saying, what good thing could come out of Taparu or Osborne? It's that sort of reputation that, but Jesus was amongst that. He identified with it. He was it. And it's really important for us to understand that Jesus was poor and he mixed with the poor. He mixed with those who were the outcasts of society as well as mixing with those who were distinguished. He mixed with them all because we, we can never say that he is not accessible to us. The reason Jesus came poor is to show us that God is accessible to everyone. No matter, no matter who you are or what state you find yourself in. Because the truth of the matter is that in God's eyes, you might not like hearing this, but in God's eyes, we're all poor. That's the reality of it. Jesus came, gave up his wealth to become poor so that we who are poor could become rich in him. And this, this reality is that to God, compared to God, we are all poor. And that, that means... That no matter how we try to cover up our poverty in our lives, and some of us try to do it by getting wealthy and others try to get social status and, and some try to do it by being very religious and uh, that's how I'm going to show that I'm not poor. But the, the reality, none of that stuff impresses God. It, the reality, the only answer to our poverty is a relationship with God, whether it be physical, emotional or spiritual. And so Jesus became poor so that we could find God, so that we could have access to God. And so this is really important for us to understand because the Christmas narrative, this idea of he became in every respect like us, is there to teach us to embrace our poverty because the reality is our poverty shows our need for God. Do you understand that? When we acknowledge that, hey, I'm not doing as well as I thought, whether it be physically, emotionally or spiritually, that's a good place to be. The Bible says it's a humble place to be when we acknowledge that we need God. Because if we had it all together, we wouldn't need God. And so no matter how we try to cover up our poverty with masks in lots of different ways, the reality is we are all poor. And God wants us to acknowledge our lack 
and our need for him. Jesus said it this way in the Beatitudes. He said, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. For the kingdom of God is theirs. Jesus became human to show us our poverty, or in other words, our lack, whether it be physical, emotional or spiritual, is not, a, is not the problem. But rather, our lack is actually the pathway to wholeness because it turns us to God. It makes us realize we need God. And so Jesus coming in, in every respect like us, he became poor so that we would find wholeness. We would find relationship with God. Which brings me to the last thing that it shows us. It shows us that he can help us. It's very simple. The reason he came to help us is so that we would never say God did nothing to help us. I'm going to ask the ushers to bring out their emblems now and start handing them out. In verse 18 of our passage, it says, Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. I'll say that again. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. Now the ushers are bringing around the emblems right now. And these emblems represent the very fact that Jesus became human. Because in these emblems, they represent his body and his blood. That he was flesh and blood like you and I. And because of these emblems, we can never say to God, you did nothing to help us. Because in these emblems, he endured all sorts of hardship. He just endured all sorts of pain and suffering. He even gave his very life so that we could know God. So that we could have access to God. So that we could have a relationship with God. You see, in these emblems that represent his flesh and blood, we have the commitment from God to doing whatever it takes to deal with the core issue in our lives. What's the core issue in our lives? Being separated from God because of sin. And in our passage that we read earlier, it says, Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who had lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. As I've said, these emblems that you hold in your hand today are symbols of Jesus becoming flesh and blood. They're the symbols of him becoming human. He became human so he could give his life for us, ultimately. That was the plan. That he, the one without sin, the perfect Lamb of God, the one without blemish, could pay the price for our sin. 
Why? So we could have freedom. So we could be set free. So that we would no longer need to be slaves to fear and death. In so many different ways. But Jesus came to break the power of fear. He broke it by dying on the cross. He broke it by rising again. He broke it because of his great love for us. And so today, as we come around and start to take, or we'll take the emblems and accept them into our body, what we're doing is accepting them by faith to what Jesus has done for us. That he's come and become human to let us know that nothing we go through in life is an obstacle to God. Humanity is not an obstacle. He's done everything required. Even our poverty is not an obstacle to him. But he came to help us and to bring freedom to us. He became human to set us free. And today, I want to encourage you that when you take the emblems, take them in faith, knowing that Jesus became a human like you and I in every respect like us to help us, to save us, to set us free from fear and death. I'm going to ask the band to play a song and I'm going to change it. Can you do a holy night? I just threw them in. They're going to do a holy night. And... Um, I just want us to spend while they're singing and you can take your communion whenever you feel ready but just spend some time reflecting on this idea that in every respect like us that Jesus knows where you're at today and he's probably and he has experienced what you're experiencing today whether good or bad or in between that your God is available to you right now and he wants to minister and bring hope and peace and faith and his love to you.